Welcome to the Striving Together podcast, a podcast for the Imago Day Church family to help us follow Jesus together in the grace of His gospel. My name is Shane. I have the privilege of serving as the discipleship pastor here at IDC, and I am joined uh, once again by uh, Tyler Burton. Tyler, thanks for uh, taking the time today. Glad to be back here, man. Let's that's, do it. That's right. Uh, remind me again, your title is the Local Missions Coordinator. Local Missions Coordinator. That's which it. I, you, I should have memorized because you actually asked me to refer to you as such in all of our interactions now. Every single one. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a, a high demand that you have, and I always forget. And it's all I'm my sorry. business cards. <laughs> uh, Daniel Williams, the lesser, is they, also my title. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there, yeah. there are various things I can do. Yeah. <laughs> the, new, the new and less improved. I was about to say, we say new and better. That's not true. <laughs> that man is gone, uh, and we need to honor him. No. Uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, taking the time again. So we, uh, last time, we were talking about uh, following Jesus in a post-Christian context, and we're going to do uh, a couple of uh, episodes in this same general category of talking about um, uh, just being in a, a post-Christian environment. We talked about what, what we mean by being in a, a post-Christian environment, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about spiritual formation in a post-Christian context. So uh, what does it look like for, uh, for us to be shaped and uh, to grow as followers of Jesus in, uh, in a context that in many ways can be uh, hostile to the gospel, uh, ignorant of the gospel, uh, turned against the gospel in many ways. Uh, and so we just want to spend some time talking about this. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk more specifically about sharing the gospel, uh, in which I think we might hit on a little bit uh, right now even, uh, but about how to engage our friends, neighbors, coworkers, et cetera, with the gospel who are coming from just such a different starting place than we are. So uh, let's just start by, by talking about uh, what some of the unique discipleship kind of pressures that Christians face when we're following Jesus in a post-Christian context. What, what are some of the things that you think as believers we should expect, uh, where we should expect to feel pressure uh, as Christians in a context that has kind of moved on from, uh, from the gospel kind of collectively? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I think one of the reasons it is a good question is because this is a pretty unique thing for us in the Christian West hmm. uh, or now post-Christian West. Um, it has, n- we have not really had to consider this very much. Hmm. Um, discipleship for followers of Jesus is inherently difficult. And it's difficult because this is not a uh, battle against flesh and blood. This mm-hmm. is a spiritual thing mm-hmm. happening. Um, but more often than not, if you're in a more Christianized society, it's a little bit easier uh, because some of the assumptions are a little easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the uh, language is easier. The practices that we carry out as followers of Jesus are not controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just a part of living and they're a part of what uh, what one writer calls the social imaginary. Mm-hmm. They're just the, the impulses. They're just the way things happen. Yeah. Now we are increasingly in an age where the social imaginary is increasingly hostile to the gospel, mm. not wanting anything, anything to do with the gospel. So in, in one sense, it's very good that we consider this because we really haven't had to consider it very much, um, especially in the South, in the urban South. Mm. Um, it's something we really have to think through. How on earth do we follow Jesus when everything around us not doesn't really want much to do with him? Yeah. Um, and, and I think those pressures are unique in a few different elements. One of them, I think, is that we can just be uh, ignorant of the fact that we have to prioritize Mm. spiritual formation. Um, I grew up in a predominantly Christian context, Christian school, going to church. There were a lot of things I just caught just yeah. by being around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I eventually 
had to actually be in a non-Christian context to realize how similar I was to Hmm. non-Christians to eventually see my need for the gospel. Right. right? So I think one of the the unique pressures is actually more of a a passive one. Okay. And that we can not think about it at all. There's like nothing's going to happen by like osmosis or just kind of absorption from the kind of the surroundings uh, that we're that we're swimming in. Right. Like there there is a very real focus we have to have on our growth and grace. Mm. That has to be something that's a part Mm. of our lives. Mm. So I think there's a, a lackadaisicalness that can happen. In the midst of that, we also are, one Atlantic writer pointed out that we are simultaneously the most re- religious, irreligious culture around okay. because we are being shaped. We are being shaped largely by what this uh, this writer calls the guru generation okay. in that we have influencers on our technologies constantly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have multi-million dollar companies whose job is to train us how to think, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So spiritual formation it's is happening, happening yeah, yeah. constantly. And we have to know that it's happening and also be in a um, an intentional striving of our formation in, yep. in uh, following Jesus. Otherwise, there will be counterformation that's happening. Right. So, yeah, I think there's a passive element and then also a recognition of I, I am having this happen to me. Let me put things in place to make it where it's wise formation that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I think that 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 aspect of like we're, we're always being formed uh, is is certainly true in any context, but in a context uh, that is uh, in so many ways explicit and implicit, uh, you know, contrary to the gospel, if we are just drifting we are drifting in a just a, a forceful way yeah. uh kind of against the grain of uh kind of gospel formation in our hearts whereas as you said there have uh in kind of a a, a, a culture that is steeped in um or at least very familiar with and generally principally favorable to the gospel, uh, even if there, that has its own trappings and we could do a whole nother series sure. on, on the trappings of kind of uh, cultural Christianity. Um, but the, the tenor of the culture at least does, you know, is, is, is at least trying to be sympathetic to the idea yeah. of, of, of Christian growth. Whereas, there's nothing like that, yeah. I think, in a, in a context that's really pushing, you know, post-Christian as we're as we're talking about. And therefore, if we are just coasting, if we are just going with the flow, that flow is just in a very kind of swift, at a swift, very oh. swift pace, taking us. And so that just that attentiveness to spiritual formation has to be chased after. And for me, I'm helped like like that resonates so much with the scriptures where it's it's. You know, Peter encourages like make every effort or, you know, uh, Paul tells Timothy to train yourself for godliness. Like there's a there's a there's an eagerness and an urgency and an intentionality with our spiritual formation that we've got to be chasing after something. Uh, So we shouldn't be scared of this, but it might it might catch some of us off guard. We're just like, no, like just going with the flow is actually not going to bring you anywhere close to growing in Christ likeness. Oh, you're on the money. Yeah. And if let's say we don't have that emphasis, right? Mm. What we'll start to notice is that cultural narratives will just start consuming is the wrong word, but we'll start adapting our thinking to these narratives sure. just because they're, they're there. They're the water we swim in. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, if we are unaware, we'll, we'll notice ourselves starting to adopt mm-hmm. some ways of thinking that are just a part of the world. So, yep. I mean, there's a number we could go through, but I mean, there's the, what one writer calls the psychological man and the idea that like, not man as in male, but as in human, that the center of a person is the feeling center. Mm-hmm. And then that is what rives, rises above 
above everything else. So everything is therapeutic. Yeah. Everything is psychological. We see that constantly, right? Yeah. Individualism, I, I might be a part of the local body of the church, but in my actual carrying it out, I don't tell people how I'm really doing until mm. four weeks after the hard thing went away, right? right? So there's there's that kind of perfunctory way of doing that. Unbiblical sexual ethic, don't have to go into that very much. Mm -hmm. We know it's there. We know our capability of embracing those sure. things passively, actively. Mm. And even, I think this is where it's going to tie to evangelism in some way. Um, we can be lulled to sleep to a lack of evangelism yeah. by passively adopting um, ways that the culture thinks about religious practices. We kind of talked about pluralism mm -hmm. last time. And we can actually live with a functional universalism. Mm. Uh, we can begin to have fear, mm. insecurity, drive our lack of doing these things, yeah. uh, and then even a presence of comfort doing yeah. these things. So, yeah, if we if we are not doing that active formation, yeah. then there's a number of ways we can actually see ourselves starting to look a lot more like those who yeah. are around us, even in all these areas, and probably more as well. Yeah, that's good. And uh I, I think of uh, I think of Romans twelve uh, that talks about uh, being transformed by the renewing of our minds and kind of like you're, you're talking about our, our minds, our thoughts, our ways of thinking are be, are constantly being shaped, and how uh, the work of being having our minds renewed uh, in in particular by the scriptures um, is this great protection against our minds being kind of kind of just passively formed, um, but even that idea of being in the word and having the word shape us is itself an uphill battle of, of sorts because yeah, the increasing uh, lack of maybe that's a, a little bit contradictory, I guess, but the, the greater lack of, of biblical understanding and oh, yeah. even just like footprint that scriptural ways of thinking or talking even have in, in our context uh, where, where uh, you know, it, um, there have been times when even if somebody was not a genuine follower of Jesus, they would just be steeped in Bible language yeah, at, the, at the very right. least uh, and, and knowledge of the, the scriptures. Um, whereas like increasingly, if you're going to know the Bible, it's because you've chased after knowing the Bible. Exactly. You've, you've gone after it in a particular way, which I think is a good challenge for all of us. If, if um, in a, just in a, a new way where so much of our following after Jesus, you, you never want to reduce following Jesus down to just like read your Bible and pray. Um, but at the same time, there's this sense of following after Christ. Um, it's like being steeped in the scriptures is going to be a hugely important part of yeah. that. Uh, in particular, as we're talking about as a, as a protection against, uh, uh, being dragged along, but also like we've got to build something else and yeah. that, that something else has to come from somewhere. And we could talk about being, being in the scriptures and like letting the text renew and shape our, our minds for the sake of our lives being transformed. Um, so let, let's kind of maybe even dovetail from there into maybe the the unique discipleship kind of advantages or opportunities a spiritual formation uh kind of um just the things available to us uh, in this post-christian context uh what do you think of when, when uh, why should a christian see our context be a, an, an asset or at least an opportunity for us to grow in christ there there's there's tons there's so many um i'm gonna show a little bit of my background okay. here in this in that uh, I love the idea of like some kind of like punk rock metal okay. way of going about things. Okay. But secure, like, um, spiritual formation as rebellion okay. is really a sense of what's kind of happening here. Uh -huh. right? The entire cultural wave is existing in one direction uh -huh. and we're kind of the 
kind of the beatniks, the okay. countercultures. Like there's, there really is a very unique element of saying this whole world is deciding for this. I'm going to decide for this, okay. right? There, there is a great book called Death to Deconstruction out there. Okay. It's literally a guy who was a metal singer, by the way, talking nice. about this. Like there, there is just something about that rebellion aspect. That's something I really enjoy. You're trying, you're advocating for a, a hipster Christianity in a, in a very roundabout way of like, in this a, is as much of a biblical way yeah, as possible. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe some mosh pits too. I don't know. Um, but I think in some other uh, non those kind of ways, um, one of the advantages is that, um, being, so our the post Christian culture is very choice oriented. Mm-hmm. So um, I am deciding this. This is my identity. I'm aligning with this. It's linked with who I am. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that happening. So um, one of the compelling pieces of following Jesus is that following Jesus is inherently a choice, right? So there's a sense in which this very um, selective, this is who I am sort of at environment in a lot of ways actually connects yeah. to some elements of who the gospel, yeah. what the gospel is and who Jesus is of, no, 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 I, I am no longer my own. Right. I have been bought with the price. Yeah. I'm actually taking up my cross and following. There's um, there's actually baked in language in the secular worldview that can connect with mm. what it means to say, no, 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 this is who I am. Yeah. And this is why I do with what I do because of who I am. Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, I, I, I really appreciate that because there's a... Um, a, a consciousness and a, a you mentioned choice of like I am giving myself over to something that is is not uh, is not it's going to be easy uh, it's not going to be fun necessarily it's going to co- it's going to be costly in a lot of ways uh, to a lot of you know in my in my social context in my cultural context. Uh, but when I think of kind of spiritual formation possibilities, one of the it's it's like constant gut checks of like, do we believe this? Like, uh, do yeah. we really believe that God is real, that Jesus has you know lived and died and lives again, uh, that heaven and hell are real? Uh, do, do we really are we really being giving ourselves over to these truths and kind of letting them uh, kind of shape our lives? Uh, because there's just not a lot to be gained by holding on to that if, you know, yeah. <laughs> if you if you don't really no believe it. Right. Advantage. But yeah. if you do make that choice, if you do give yourself over to that, yeah. like there's th- that faith being the like, you know, uh, Peter talks about that, that, that tested and refined faith being something that is more precious than gold, uh, more precious than silver that is being refined. And, uh, so just the, the, the opportunity there is, yeah, maybe less casual Christianity, but more like deeply authentic. Yes. Um, we really are bought into this Christianity, um, that I think is ultimately what the Lord wants from us. Yeah. And then is also what he uses to, to kind of advance his kingdom in the world. I couldn't agree more. Yep. And I think the kind of carrying out from that, then the, the post-Christian world is intentionally shedding previous generations mm-hmm. way of doing things, way of thinking about things. Uh, that's a tremendous opportunity for the church yep. because then we can go into things like theological retrieval, which is what have our fathers and mothers said for 2000 years, right? Right. Like let's not just look in the last 70 years of American sure. Christianity. Let's have a globalized universal church way of thinking about mm. this that can actually shape us even yeah. deeper. Um, I think it can also push us to do things, do lasting orthodox, beautiful things in new ways, mm. right? Like what businesses need to exist that yeah. don't exist? What ways of doing ministry need to exist that don't exist? What 
uh, creative practices, what media companies, things like this need to continually be made and exist in a post-Christian culture mm-hmm. because there need to be new ways of yep. doing things. That doesn't mean we like just do things to do them. That doesn't mean creativity at expensive con- like mm-hmm. content. But it means like leveraging this new space to take this beautiful gospel message and get it into as many hearts yep. and minds as possible. That's good. That's good. Um, well, it strikes me that uh, we're talking a lot about obviously uh, uh, our context and our culture and at to the extent that we find ourselves kind of swimming upstream and kind of going against the grain of the culture, we become more aware of our surroundings. We become, especially, especially that the contrast there. Um, but I would imagine that for many of us who have been in context and cultures that we've already, we, we feel like it's been easier to go, to go downstream, to go with the, the grain of the culture. We've not thought about our surroundings as much, um, especially when we're thinking about spiritual formation. A lot of it, kind of, a lot of this is, is going to uh, go back to just being aware of our context yeah. and culture. Uh, let's just close real quick with maybe some encouragements you would give to um, the members of IDC for how to like be good students of our context and culture such that we can even pay attention to what is forming us and how we are being shaped and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, how do you, I mean, you used the analogy last time of kind of the, the fish in the water or whatever, but how do we be fish in water that actually is aware of the water around us yeah. rather than just assuming it? Um, what, what would be just some things that you would uh, give to people to put in their back pockets so that as they are following Christ, as they're being formed spiritually, they can do so with a kind of a knowingness and an awareness. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give three and okay. do it briefly. So the first is uh, active listening. Okay. So not just consuming things passively. Mm-hmm. Really try to understand what on earth are they saying, meaning, and what are they trying to get me to believe? Mm-hmm. Um, media, especially in our incredibly preachy age that we live in right now when it comes to media, is trying to get you to believe something. Mm-hmm. What is it? Are, are you actively listening to what is coming at you uh, mm. from your phone, from movies? Just listen. Yeah. So the first is that. The second I would say is understand it. Um, and not just understand what it's saying, but understand why. Seek to understand the heart <laughs> that's at the bottom of it. Um, seek to unpack what potential roots are even in the bottom of the narrative you're hearing. Um, just be a thinker. Of yeah. it. Like think critically through the thing that's happening. And then when you do those two things, seek to actually see how the gospel can interject into that. Mm -hmm. Um, So this guy named Dan Strange, everyone should buy his books and read them. He's amazing. Um, He has this idea called subversive fulfillment that he takes from 1 Corinthians 1, where Paul lays out and says, look, the gospel is to the Jews, it's a stumbling block, and it's a stumbling block because they want signs. To the Greeks, it's also foolishness because what they want is wisdom. And then later in the chapter, Paul says, but Jesus is also power. So he's the sign the Jews are looking for. And he's wisdom. He's the true wisdom that the Greeks are ultimately looking for. So what Dan Strange brings out is that Paul is subversively Mm -hmm. fulfilling the needs of the culture in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So as we're listening, understanding, trying to critically think about what's going on here, how can we also go, where is there a need yep. that's here that's ultimately, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus? That's good. Right? How can we seek to subversively yeah. fulfill what's happening here in the person work of Jesus Christ? Yeah. By the way, that changes the way you watch a movie. <laughs> um, I'm now the annoying guy when you watch a movie. <laughs> You're one of those people. I totally am, man. You got a blog for every movie that you've I wish. <laughs> like, it's just there is something happening sure, here. Sure, sure. 
how do we see how ultimately this is actually going to be fodder for pushing yeah. towards the gospel? Yeah, that's good. No, yeah. That's super helpful. And it strikes me that, uh, you know, especially the, the first two parts of that, so much of it has to do with just like an attentiveness, asking good questions, really listening, uh, not assuming that we're tracking along the same page. But when we see difference, not necessarily going on the attack, but just be, being a learner. I mean, you're talking to your neighbors or something like that. Yeah, and like, tell me more about what you think or why you think that way and whatnot, and really just kind of receiving that. And then kind of like you said, listening for opportunities to speak in, in to speak the gospel into those situations at strategic points. And that's actually where we're going to, we're going to stop here and kind of pick back up next time, uh, thinking a little bit more about uh, the actual uh, speaking the gospel uh, in, in a post-Christian context. How do we, how do we share it with our neighbors and friends? What are some things that we can be looking for? Uh, Tyler's going to help us think through uh, what are some, some ways that we can uh, uh, not just be uh, attentive, but actually be agents of engagement in the culture as well. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will join you again next time.